Welcome, everybody, to episode 98 of Dork Tunes. So we're getting there. We are so close to the 100, and details of those uh, episodes are coming out very, very soon. But trust me, you're going to love it. So this week, um, normally, as, I, as you know, I would get somebody to introduce themselves, which I'm going to, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a hint. So one second. You have it. <laughs> In hand. Yes. So you're more than welcome to introduce yourself now, officially. Sure. Hey, everybody. I'm uh, Andy Roman, uh, sometimes better known as Scientific, S-C-N-T-F-C. And I am the, uh, well, composer of a lot of games in the past, but currently I'm full-time with uh, Night School Studio. Mm -hmm. So... Thank you for the first part to being um, a guest on the show. It has been something of a journey. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not used to being more managed, but, you know, now that I'm with night school, you know, and they have PR people to help me with oh. this kind of thing. Uh, so it was yep. kind of getting through the woods on all that <laughs> to yeah. finally be able to just sit down and, and talk about making music for games. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, it's not the first time that I've it's happened before because I've had guests on who've literally had PR sat mm -hmm. on on Skype listening in. Yes, and I'm fine with that. It really isn't bother because I'm never going to say anything or do anything that's going to be, you know, damaging to someone's brand or someone else's brand, etc. You know, I'm just here. It's fun. You know, as I mentioned to you kind of prior to we started, um, it's very not scripted. You know, we don't. I don't like having kind of a set of questions because I think it sounds really stilted, you know, get to know the person. But one of the things I do generally ask as my first question um, is, how did you get to how you, where you are right now? And I'll explain that by being, you know, there are some people who went the classical route and they um, studied um, music at university and they went on, whatever happened. You know, there are other people who just had friends who were in the industry and kind of said, look, you kind of like music or you're kind of very good at doing music. Would you like to join in? Let's do something together. You know, and you know, all that kind of stuff. So what to you? Yeah, I, then I'd say I'd have a very unconventional way into, <laughs> into the industry because uh, it happened late in my career. I was already doing music uh, for other disciplines, uh, you know, film and TV and advertising. And so it was a good segue into this and gave me a lot of basic skills for making music for video games. But yeah, it happened uh, kind of on accident. Uh, and even getting into it at all, I never looked at music as a career, but mm -hmm. I was a, a designer and, you know, worked with animators and things to make uh, uh, advertisements and whatnot. And some of those projects needed music. So I hired myself uh, to music. Then I had a friend who had a lucky break and got some good advertising jobs, and he brought me on to do music. But then I think the f very first thing I did um, with respect to video games was I met the, at the time, the audio director for Microsoft Game Studios. He just happened to be my neighbor. And I was, oh, at, <laughs> yeah, I was at the local coffee shop just a couple blocks away talking to another friend about 
music. And Guy Whitmore, that person, the audio director, had seen me perform live. You know, he used to do live music and invited me out to Microsoft to meet some folks and talk about how I uh, make, you know, adaptive electronic music and how that could maybe relate to how video games work. So that was kind of the first connection. Uh So yeah, blind luck, uh, got coffee at the right place at the right time, time. uh, loud (laughs) enough talking to my friend that someone overheard and invited me in. Yeah. And it just happened to be a neighbor. Yes. (laughs) Um, So then from there, then it was just, you know, building rep. So never really networked hard or, you know, went on the job hunt. It was just doing the best work I could from project to project until, you know, then I could do a full soundtrack and, you know, have a good relationship with that developer and someone else, you know, mutual friends or whatnot. And it just, yeah, uh, snowballed from there. And then, so obviously we're going to talk about the big one, really, you know, Oxen Free. How did that actually happen for you? Yeah. um, You know what? Kind of luck as well. (laughs) Uh, So I was already doing a significant (laughs) amount of video game work still splitting time with linear media yeah that came through because uh sean crankle was studio lead at uh night school we had mutual friends and Mm -hmm. back in my live performance and just kind of making weird electronic music days this mutual friend had one of my cds in his car sean asking how i really like this and years i think this was even years before Oxenfree was a thing. He thought back to hearing that music and then contacted that mutual friend. It was like, hey, can I, do you have this guy's email? I would be interested to see if he'd like to try making music for a video game. And so that was Sean's, I think, probably first email or text message to me was like, would you be interested in working on a video game? And I'd say, well, Funny enough, that's what I've been doing uh, for a couple of years now. So, uh, yeah. And yeah, so that again was friends as well. Uh, and then, yeah, I just demoed and it seemed to be the right thing for the project and the rest is history. How long did you actually spend on Oxenfree? Good question. Well, they didn't have anybody signed on for audio at that point. So... It was a, the first question was, would you like to do music? And then the second question was, ah, what about everything else? <laughs> Audio. Yeah. And I had been working in Unity and doing implementation and sound design as well at that time. So it wasn't too tough for me to say, you know, yeah, let's let's do this all. You know, the game ha- takes place in the Northwest. So I, you know, can do the field recording here It already you know, have nature recordings from around the Northwest. Um, So that all kind of fit fit into place, except for schedule. It was just like, there was just not enough time for me to do everything. Uh, So then we hired a sound designer uh, to uh, take on all of that so I could focus on music. Um, So I don't know, but offhand, maybe nine months to a year. Yeah, I mean that's quite a long period as it is anyway. 
Yeah. Uh, so can you say that again? Sorry, there's Sorry. a garbage truck. <laughs> How close was your relationship with the sound designer then? Um, so the sound design designer Jason, um, not too close. He luckily he was he's LA based, so he was yeah. able to be in their studio. And so he could work directly with the engineers on implementation. So basically, Jason started and I kind of said, you know, this is what I've done. This is these are the ambiences I've placed. This is how everything's organized. And from there, he really I, he's amazing. He he just kind of took it and ran with it mm -hmm. and quickly became like this concern of, oh, no, there's a new person coming in. What are they going to do? to seeing his work and be having full confidence that I was like, okay, I don't have to worry about this uh, <laughs> anymore. And that's, that's my favorite working relationship and that we have with, you know, the sound designers that we work with currently at night school uh, is a lot of confidence in their, their skills. Mm -hmm. And so there doesn't have to be a lot of like micromanagement yeah. going on. You yes. know, we kind of set the tone we often talk about me kind of being the creative director for audio. So the sonic tone, so beyond music, really making sure we've defined what a game needs yeah. and then they can go for it. So perfect examples of that with Oxen Free would be, you know, the portal sounds, yeah. the sonic or ghost voices, mm -hmm. uh, have radio, radio functions. Bit. Yeah, so that's all uh, stuff that I would either make just audio demos or would prototype with an engineer and say, I think this is how it should function. Uh, and then that then can act as a blueprint for the yeah. remainder of the work. And Oxenfree has obviously been out for quite some time. You know, the vinyl was released. It was a massive smash. Um, Oxenfree 2 came out a while ago. Um, I believe there's a vinyl for that. Yes. So, yes, there is. Yeah. Um, how did you find it? Because obviously, when it released, it just became this huge beast. Oh, I, yeah. Um, you mean how do I relate to it getting popular? Yeah, yeah, almost. Yeah, <laughs> and going. Um, that's my stuff in that, and you're like, hey. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been fun. Um, it's not the most weirdly, it's not the most popular game I've worked on in terms of like amount of players. But it's the one with kind of the most, I would say, the most active fan base and the most like interaction, uh, you know, with the soundtrack and all the auxiliary stuff. So I'm very, I'm much more aware of it than I am on some of the other projects I've worked on that may have had a larger player base, but they're just, I don't know, because of platform or the type of game, just aren't as engaged as Oxen Free fans. Yeah, I think Oxen Free really hit a kind of chord with a lot of people. Um, and I particularly fell in love with the story and the way it was designed and I loved the kind of radio bits and <clears throat> the kind of the conversations that they would have they actually sounded like conversations that I would have with friends if you know what I mean it wasn't that kind of this is scripted we must say this there you know it it really sounded natural and it really kind of it sounded organic almost and it was great you know and yeah. then you know tons of people fell in love with the music you know, like seriously, there are tracks on the soundtrack that if that was played in club, I would be pop. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I, that focus on, I would say, you know, storytelling, but 
you know, natural sounding dialogue is mm. a, it's a primary focus for night school. And they mm. did a great job with it. Yeah, obviously great actors who brought the characters to life. Yes. Um, and so in turn, then music is, you know, scoring everything. Uh, but kind of has a, not an easier time, but just a more, uh, an easier time of connecting emotionally. Yes. Versus like, I don't know, you know, music I've done for like combat or less emotionally. Film or TV. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, kind of across the board. Like, yeah. So that's kind of the cheat. Like people love these characters. They love the world of the game. So they're like one of the easiest ways to continue that vibe is to listen to the music. So they go listen to the music and that, you know, it, yeah, it's a great, great cycle. Whereas, yeah. yeah, other games I've worked on, again, maybe more players, but the music isn't as focus as much the focus and the emotions aren't as much the focus. It's more kind of casual gameplay. Um, and so in turn, people just don't then search out, necessarily search out the soundtrack. Uh, yeah. and, but it's uh, nice that they do. Yes, absolutely. But it's also this is reflected in like what I've worked on that does have like a vinyl release and what doesn't. It's like oxen free, like yes, exactly. Like, and that's a yeah. that's a repress because yes. the initial pressing like just sold out instantly and people have been waiting for it forever. Honestly, um, I waited for this for two and a half years. <laughs> two and a half years. When it came through the door, I was like, this is never actually it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad. It, yeah. I think we're over that, but this was part of the global, like, yeah. vinyl um, backlog. Oh, yeah. We all went a bit mad. <laughs> yeah. It was, like, years. Yeah. Uh, to not even, went, not even, like, from idea to, like, literally having your artwork and music already it then goes in a line that will take two years to get through it. Yeah. It, and didn't one of the biggest um, production plants uh, go on fire and just burn down completely? Yep. So one burned down. I think obviously that, that was a contributor, but yeah, it's pretty, pretty wild. Um, yeah. So yeah, hopefully things have, have okay. evened out for the Oxen Free 2 stuff. Um, yeah. But it must be nice for you to be able to like sit now and look back at it and kind of go, you know, I've got the vinyl. That's awesome. You know, people are really appreciating it. And you're getting it from across the world. You know, I'm in a yeah. Discord for video game music um, vinyl collectors. And they are, in a word, gracious. Yeah. For anything, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's it's a lucky niche, which is a lot of times, you know, there's not much physical to connect to when a game is released these days. And yeah. I think that's why... Obviously, game releases, um, you know, switch cartridges or whatnot are important, but vinyl is a great way for people to say, I love this game. Um, yeah. And this is a way to have like a piece of it. Um, so, yeah, it's a lucky, a lucky niche. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's not a cheap um, hobby, but it's something that I would never be without, you know? Yeah. Um, well, you can see behind me here. Uh -huh. I have a lot of records. Those are all 45s. Oh, wow. Radio, and then oh, wow. yep, that's vinyl, 
And that line goes around the corner into the dark there. Um, <laughs> and I see you have some toys as well on the walls. Yep. Yeah, various guitars and a cello and whatnot. Are you one of those composers that, um, and I'm not going to name names, because that's a good but when they are starting, or when they, mainly when they're starting a new project, <laughs> excuse me, um, they will buy themselves little treats. Mm -hmm. Like behind it, yeah, you. It, yeah, so certainly. It helps for your work. <laughs> yeah, and it really does, honestly. Um, uh, I'm looking right now to even trace those stories. Yeah, so that is the base for After Party, basically. Oh, was wow. When we, yeah, we knew the specific um, kind of vibe we needed for some of the bars. I was like, well, obviously this needs to be dingy, like rock bar or punk and i realized i used to have a bass but somehow i'd i don't know given it away or you yeah. know a friend borrowed it and i forgot or something i didn't have a bass so that's very specifically you know it's like a epiphone eb zero but you can't tell from here but it's like a nice deep red and you know it's kind of got some devil horns to it in a way so i was like oh this is perfect um banjo? yep banjo i've just had forever uh, so that was not for a specific project. Um, but yeah, so things will pop up where I think of like, I don't know, a sonic signature that I'm unfamiliar with or something that I want to explore. Uh, and then it becomes a pretty valuable resource. So the cello is a great example. It's like, I'm a terrible cello player, but I was actually interested in, you know, what unique effects can we get from that instrument? <laughs> Yeah, I have to admit, uh, cello and clarinet yeah. for me on a soundtrack yeah. just blow my mind. You know, they, yeah. the things that they can do are just phenomenal. Yeah. So the way I actually have used that is pretty unique, which is, you know, sampled instruments. Yeah. There's so much in them. So uh, uh, the score for Jet is a great example of most of it is sampled instruments, but there were specific things I just had in my brain that I knew I wanted uh, that are impossible to get from a pre-sampled instrument and yes. thankfully didn't require like super, super high amounts of skill. Uh, so I can essentially record myself and uh, accentuate the rest of the music with that. So mm -hmm. with that, I was doing ostinatos or, you know, very specific bowing techniques. Yes. Um there's kind of these pitchy swoops in some of the music for uh, Gibbon that I worked on with Broken Rules, where I was like, well, this specific uh, sound, I just don't think is sampled anywhere. So that's where I just, you know, I play that one part and all the better sounding stuff is, you know, not me because <laughs> uh, I can't do all the fancy stuff. But those basic kind of, you know, raw kind of performance uh, modes, I can get a handle on. Actually, you just picked on something that I would love to find out a bit more about. Is, do you prefer working like solely by yourself on a soundtrack, or do you prefer kind of having someone that can kind of bounce off at some point? Um, Definitely Isn't writing. Yeah, definitely writing uh, myself. Uh, I've been in bands, you know, I used to play, I, I used to play yes. drums, um, and I enjoyed it for sure, but I really, my personal creativity really took off when I could 
have the means to kind of do everything myself. Um, and then it's just literally right person for the job and yeah. budget. I'd love to hire a whole orchestra, but if it's not there, then it's, you know, where can we focus the, you know, right person for the job mentality? So, for example, on Jet, there were these choir parts mm -hmm. that is far away from my expert expertise. So that's how we ended up um, hiring Priscilla Snow to essentially write all that stuff, help perform it yeah. uh, and get the quality stuff in there that I just wasn't capable of myself. So a lot of a lot of things like that. Yeah, I can imagine one day that you could be stood, or you will be stood in Abbey Road or Air Studios, and going, "I'm doing this." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, mean, I it, yeah. If it, it really is those two things, you know, uh, budget and necessity. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of what I'm asked to do, there is no reason for other musicians. <laughs> Oxenfree being a perfect example of that. But even after party, I mentioned playing bass. Yeah. I I was a drummer, but I'm no longer skilled enough. So there is a, a drummer, uh, an old friend of mine played drums for some of the pieces on yeah. after party again, because I knew the style we needed and I knew I couldn't accomplish that. And so um, tired out. Did you have a different kind of viewpoint from when you scored Oxen free to when you start scoring and working on Oxen free too. Yeah, I mean this was an interesting one because um, I've it's a sequel. I have another. I was doing another. Weirdly, the only other sequel I've done was concurrent, which was moving from virtual virtual reality and working on virtual virtual reality two with Tender Claws. Okay. Kind of working on those at the same time. Uh, so kind of learning the ropes of, okay, well, I can take themes, you know, what do I want to do the same? And then what do I want to do different? And the primary driver for Oxen Free to Oxen Free 2 was there's wow. this philosophy that I was scoring yeah. the place and not yeah. the characters in the plot. So got to keep going with that. But we had the sense that the characters we were following this was later in their lives. Uh, they were more mature. Um, and so <laughs> we, we thought of how can we, how can the music grow up yeah. as well, but still reflect like it's the score for the place. Um, and so those are kind of the drivers um, coupled with that. We had the opportunity to have a more adaptive soundtrack that was close, more closely scored to the action. Yeah. Uh, Whereas Oxenfree was very like, here's here's music for this general feel, uh, and it goes in there, and then it doesn't change nearly as much as it does in Oxenfree Two, where we have you know quick pivots based on you know player action that really change up the music. Uh, so we had that as well to contend with. And I'm going to slightly swing past that now um, for a moment and ask you, what are the soundtracks that you kind of um, really great. Um, other than works of your own. Um, say that again. So soundtracks, not mine. That, yeah, that you really rate. Um, I'm a huge. Okay, so it's obvious I like John Carpenter. <laughs> um, but I'm a huge, huge fan of Escape from New York. Mm -hmm. I as a film, I just it's the best. 
I don't know what else I can say. Um, I was actually literally walking around listening to it yesterday. Uh-huh. There's a live version. So I don't oh, know I... if you know this, but yeah, so John Carpenter works with his son uh, on newer. They've done, you know, uh, records together, uh, but they did essentially like a live recorded version. So it's more band focused than the original Escape from New York theme. Uh, and it's just like, that's yeah, so good. <laughs> um, that's a yeah, that's an obvious example. Uh, Wendy Carlos, yeah. uh, for The Shining and Tron. Um, I love, love that stuff. Yeah, not usually as obvious in, in uh, my writing, but like all the weird stuff Goblin did in the 70s for like zombie movies you know for italian uh zombie films uh like that stuff is just mind-blowing um it's it's really funny i i used to be able to watch horror films like and i would i'd be like mm. and now i can't even oh yeah oh i yeah. yeah i still i still absorb as much as i can you know if you've heard yeah recent recent scores um that colin stetson soundtrack for hereditary is incredible um everything ben salisbury and jeff barrow have done uh annihilation obviously ex machina um probably like people making stuff right now my favorites and annihilation just because it's i don't know if you're familiar but it really blurs the line between score um sound design even diegetic Essentially, this melodic synth thing becomes the voice of the alien. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's yeah, it's it's great stuff. Uh, Men was great too. the more recent um, uh, one from that director, Alex Garland. Is that his name? Oh, yes. Alex Um, Garland. Yes. He did the beach and the other one, um, the guy from Star Wars, which was really good. yeah so that's more recent people whose whose work i i've really enjoyed but also i look at you know just non-score music or inspiration almost more than i do uh soundtracks i am probably pretty un uneducated with respect to soundtrack uh, uh composers relative to most other people who do what I do for a living. <laughs> Are you one of those people that walk down the street and you'll be like, got to record this. I've heard this noise. This noise is really interesting. I've got to go. And off you go. Oh, yeah. 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 And for sound design, especially. Mm. Uh, weirdly, my favorite story about that sort of thing isn't even a sound I um, recorded. Mm-hmm. But there's a monster. There's a creature sound in Jet that... I designed, but the origin of it was a recording that a friend had made with his iPhone and had post. I think he had posted it to Twitter. It was just the most outlandish sound of his window. This Mm -hmm. is Corey Schmitz, who's known. He's a great, great graphic designer. Did the Jet logo, did uh, Oxenfree Lost Signals logo. Yeah, it's very popular in design. But he had posted the sound of his window making the most horrifying howling sound in a windstorm in Mm -hmm. Chicago. 
It was like, wow, this is crazy. And I was like, <laughs> DM'd him immediately. It's like, can I have I, that, please? And I have that. And can we have permission mm -hmm. uh, to use it? And that, you know, dot M4A iPhone recording was then manipulated and used as a primary creature voice in, in wow. chat. It's funny yeah. where you think you, where you get your, um, your sound, you, you, the, the sounds that you use sometimes. You must yeah. think people must not, people will never know where that comes from. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I'm constantly curious. And I think, again, that's what draws me to um, work like uh, uh, Annihilation or the Colin Stetson hereditary score. If you're not familiar with it, he's a, primarily, I believe, a saxophone player, but okay. he does all kinds of crazy breathing and voice techniques. Okay. So he gets these just the most otherworldly tones um and that which is a horror movie with some really gory horrifying stuff in it has <laughs> this most awful awful finale but it's the most angelic angelic sounding music to go along with it which is just so perfect and he i know there's other stuff but at the core of his writing is these incredible incredible techniques he can make by just getting these yeah massive sounds out of a saxophone yeah. you've just reminded me i've seen the end but it was dubbed over with something else and I've, yeah I, I, i've seen kind of a bit towards the end of that i think it was on tiktok or something it's weird mm. yeah I, I do know so <clears throat> it had um, to do with a headless body floating through the air and into a tree house yeah it's very very <laughs> weird but very very great it's yeah yeah a bit like the That's... film, um, one of the films I always remember watching, and I don't think we could ever watch again, was the original, because I didn't realize until a few years ago that there was a remake and frankly it's all. Hereditary, uh, the remake? I didn't no, know. No, um, Jacob's Ladder, the original. Oh, uh-huh, oh, yeah. What a film. Yeah. Remember the dance floor part? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That was... yeah. I know that. I know that movie well. I probably revisited it. I don't know about I watched it again about a year ago, but yeah, that's been a long does that favorite. Does it still hold up? I felt not quite as well. <laughs> uh uh and I'm not sure why, but I was like, ah, oh, it wasn't, you know. But yeah, it's still it's still good. It's yeah. for sure it's still good. Not I would just say not quite. There's I'm a horror nerd, so I'll yeah. I could go forever on this subject. Um like a movie I return to regularly that I just can't believe. I'm in disbelief how good it is. Is the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Uh -huh. Is that's a masterpiece. And every time I, I do this with a lot of my favorite films, mm -hmm. I'll I just I'm like I can't believe it's as good as I thought. It's yeah, it probably is actually bad. And then I go back and I'm like, no, this this was great. And that is one that just every time I watch it, I'm just like in awe of. Yeah. Just how good it is. And yeah. the sound bringing this to the subject at hand, the sound design in that is they recorded like slaughter houses. Oh. And that is just part of the sound bed. Yeah. In certain scenes. And it's just so effective and just like how grisly and horrifying the subject matter is. <laughs> and super impactful of yeah, just oh. I have one more question. Um, we're running out of time, but 
do you are you one of those people that when you finish your music you kind of put it up on the shelf and go right that's it never for for a long long time you don't listen to it do you listen to your stuff when you finished it or let's say a year down the line you kind of go I'll put this on when I'm doing the dishes just you know have yeah. a listen. I would say never in that way, never in just a eh, for entertainment purposes way. <laughs> I actually listening is a huge part of my writing, right. like self. Like analysis, not just mixes, even just I'm trying to, you know, get to grips with like, is this piece of music doing what it's supposed to? Is it effective? Oh. I spend the time just. Listening as much as I do tweaking things or adding instruments or recording it in the first place like yeah. that is a thing um yeah. i make playlists and i put them you know on on the phone and just walk around the neighborhood and taking stuff off and adding stuff in yeah like that I one make, doesn't make it yeah i make mix notes as the most obvious but yeah just really like and in that swirl, because there's so much going on, you know, hours and hours of music for a score. Yeah. Uh, and then even the amount of time from beginning to end. Uh, Jet, I worked on essentially for eight years. Um, so it's finding those relationships from, oh, I made this piece of music six years ago. How does it relate to the other things that are I've done more recently? And it doesn't need updates or changes or have I made a decision where, say, an instrument became more thematic and crucial that I can go in back and replace an instrument from back then. Or Oxenfree isn't as big of a time, but it's like I went back and I rated the, you know, not just what ended up on the soundtrack, but what didn't. And I was like, oh, this is good. I'm going to use this chunk. Or I'm going to sample this and make something new out of it. Um so yeah, a lot of listening in as things uh, are being produced is yeah. huge for me. Just a lot of self-analysis. Fantastic. So again, to reiterate, um, I know my signals are get to where we are now, but you got here and I have to say a huge thank you for spending the time speaking because I know how busy you are. Yeah. Thanks. It. Yeah, and apologies, I had to squeeze it in between meetings. Yeah. Yeah, the new, the new life as an audio director is <laughs> basically just that, yeah, I'm scheduling meetings, whereas, yeah, freelance, they're just never meetings. No, I know. I was back to back meetings today, and it's not normal like that for me, so I'm just a bit bed fossil, so I'm going to go and watch some telly now. <laughs> yes, sounds good. But yeah. thank you, and best of luck with anything that comes in the future, and I'm sure that we'll be hearing some stuff in, in the not too near from you. Yep. Fingers crossed. Yep, there's a lot, a lot happening. Unfortunately, none of it I can talk about. So. No, I know the lovely word NDA. Yep. <laughs> that, that's my world. Yeah, but thank you. Have a lovely day. Yeah. Hopefully not too yeah, many more. Thank things. you. And yeah. appreciate it. See Bye. you soon. Take Likewise. Care. Bye.